This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Monday morning, everybody. I'm Shane Told, and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be in a band. So yes, it's probably Monday for you, uh, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. For me, it's Saturday morning at about 8.30, and uh, you guys might be wondering, well, Shane, you're a rock star, uh, lead singer. What the hell are you doing up at 8.30 on a Saturday morning? Well, I'm on this no drinking kick, and now I'm up to 15 days, uh, and I feel great, man. And um, and my girlfriend had to wake up early for a work shift, so I'm like, you know what, baby? I'll get up early. I'll get up at 6.30 and drive you to work. So here I am. I'm back from doing that, and now I'm just ready to record some podcasts, man. It's such a weird thing, you know? Like I'm what you'd say a, a real night owl. I always have done my most productive work you know, late at night. Um, in my younger days, it was very routine for me to stay up till like four or five in the morning, you know, just working on shit. But man, when you get up early in the morning and you get a whole bunch of shit done and then you look at the time and you're like, man, I've got all this stuff done and I usually would be sleeping right now. It's an amazing thing. So that's what I'm trying to do today. Get this podcast wrapped up and, uh, and work on some solo stuff that I got coming out. That's right. I got a solo project and it's going to be launched this Friday which is really, really exciting for me. It's something I wanted to do for a long time. Um, That's the only information pretty much I'm going to give you at this moment. But on Friday, make sure you got your ear to the ground, you're on the social media because I'm going to blast you with a whole bunch of information. And this isn't one of these cryptic things where on Friday I'm going to give you another little thing. No, no, no. On Friday, it's coming. It is coming. So get ready for that. Anyways, back to business. Today we have a great show. I speak to Toby Morell of the band Emery. Uh, you might also know him from the Bad Christian podcast, which is uh, really blowing up. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys that listen to my show probably listen to it because of the Bad Christian podcast. Uh, we're on the same network, the Jabberjaw Media Network, and it was really great catching up. Uh, so many stories. I mean, the first uh, <laughs> headline tour we ever did, uh, Emery was on that, and I remember our van broke down, uh, and it was with us, Alexis on Fire, and um, uh, Emery, and they were nice enough to let us uh, uh, pile different band members in different vans. Uh, and I rode a few nights with Emery, and uh, just terrific people, and uh, uh, such a such a cool story. How you know they really were? They really did get a late start um, into this whole music thing, and uh, here they are still going and uh, really doing a lot of unique things, such as having their own label, putting out their own music. Uh, they're doing living room shows. They're doing all this crazy stuff, and uh, it was really, really cool to uh, to sit down and talk to Toby. Before we get into it, I want to remind you guys to make sure you're all subscribed. Uh, we have some great, great shows coming up. Um, I've been super busy this week um, talking to a whole bunch of big names, and I can't spill the beans on that yet, uh, but you'll be hearing about it super soon. 
Uh, and I really, I'm really excited. I think these guests are going to really take the show to the next level. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed so you can get the information right to your phone. You don't miss out on anything. Uh, people ask all the time, how can we support the show? What can I do, Shane? Uh, again, all we're asking for right now is just to go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. That will take you right to the Amazon homepage. So anytime you're going to buy something on Amazon, whether it's batteries, diapers, uh, hey, we got Valentine's Day coming up pretty soon. I mean, maybe you're going to pop the question. I don't know. I think they sell engagement rings on uh, Amazon. So if you're going to do that, hey, man, 4% of it would go to us. So if you buy a $10,000 engagement ring, that's 400 bucks for us, and it costs you nothing. So please, uh, uh, anything you can do to help, just use that, that Amazon.com referral link. And of course, I always love feedback. Uh, we got the Gmail set up. It's real simple, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I try to respond to everybody, so hit me up on there. Uh, we also got the hate line. If you're not so happy, uh, it is 657-666-HATE. Uh, we're going to start rolling some clips next week, uh, so please uh, leave a message if you got some hate for me. You know I love the hate. And lastly, if you like the show, please go on iTunes, write a review, Five stars, preferably. It would really, really help us out, uh, you know, for all that that chart position crap, um, which doesn't seem so important to you because you already know about the show. But we want to grow. We want more and more people to get involved and better and better guests. And uh, the sky's the limit for this thing. So thank you. Thank you so much for all the support so far. So without further ado, here is Mr. Bad Christian himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Toby Morell of the band Emery. To lead singer syndrome, I am here with a very, very old friend of mine, uh, Toby from the great band Emery. How's it going today, man? Doing great, man. Glad to be here. I, I love the name, Lead Singer Syndrome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's a little tongue in cheek, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sure, like you know, we're just getting started with this podcast. I'm sure I'm gonna gonna interview some real epitome of Lead Singer Syndrome people. Yeah. Uh, which I can't wait uh, for that stuff, you know? Totally. Uh, when I get into the real rock star uh, deb- debauchery. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's coming. Uh, but so far, I've just, you know, I've just been uh, interviewing, like, my old friends, and, you know, so it's uh, it's been pretty, like, pretty much all good dudes that really don't, you know, you can't file under the lead singer syndrome or LSS uh, yeah. title too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but does any lead yeah. singer actually think that they have lead singer syndrome? That's the key. <laughs> All of us go. I, I don't know. No, I'm a that's, good dude. That's right. You know what? <laughs> I uh, I think I think I think I don't have it. I secretly know deep down that I do. Yeah, There's I know. Times I think that's I'll the, catch myself. Yep. That's exactly me. <laughs> exactly me. And, and the thing is, you can never get away from it either. Because if if you ever do anything like skip one loadout, <laughs> everybody goes, well, "Look, there's the lead oh, yeah. singer." <laughs> Oh, dude, I haven't carried a piece of gear in like seven years. <laughs> I was I was talking to I was talking to Jake from uh, from August Burns read about it, and he's like he's like, dude, if I try to help, they just tell me I'm doing it wrong. I know you that's know? exactly what happens, exactly every time. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, you're actually your band is kind of interesting. Get jumping on the lead singer syndrome stuff because you're you were not the only lead singer. Yeah, yeah, we had you were, uh, you were like a two man, you know, co lead singer duties with you and Devin. So yeah. that must have been different. That must have been kind of hard. I, I don't know how you how did you how did you st- determine like okay, you came up with the song like who wrote who wrote what parts, who sang what parts? How did you guys figure that out? Well, it was the good part about it was we were both songwriters, Devin and I, like we, we would write our each write our own melodies and lyrics. And, and so, um, 
the songs were pretty easy that way. We, the songs that we wrote, we would just sing ourselves. But then, uh, and then the other good part about it was when, when we brought those songs to the whole band, Devin and I could just immediately work on the harmonies or, or trade off vocal parts. And then we had two people singing with able to sing lead, not just, a somebody just barely that could sing harmony or anything like that. We had two full lead singers. So it was really good. There was a little bit of like, well, how many songs are, you know, is this person going to get to sing? Do we need to split it right down the middle? Um, but it ended up being okay because like, like our first record, I think Devin ended up only writing four or five songs and I wrote five or six, something like that. So it ended up, maybe I had one extra song or something like that, two extra songs, but Devin had some songs. And then as we went on, uh, each record later, Devin would sing more and more lead songs and I would sing harmony. And so it ended up being, it was always pretty even. And we never, I know this is called lead singer syndrome, but we never really got too upset with each other or, or anything like that. Like I need my song or you need your song. That just never happened. We kind of, it just didn't matter. We didn't hold on to any of our songs enough to no. where we'd fight. And you over didn't them. care. Like I know there's guys in bands that say, Oh, well you wrote this. And it's like, if it's something very personal lyrically, uh, you know, you might not want someone else to sing it. Like right. if it's about like, uh, you know, did you guys ever have any issues with that? Or it was just, you guys were just pretty cool with each other and you just kind of did it for the greater good of the band. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, was, it, was there ever a song where I, Devin sang on it? Not, no, not really. I mean, there was a couple times where I think there was a song, like maybe I was missing a bridge and then Devin ended up writing the bridge or vice versa. And that was, uh, mm -hmm. yep. that, that was a little tricky cause you wanted to capture what the other was trying to do. Um, and yep. you know, cause when you come in with the whole song, all the verses and choruses and all that stuff, and then you want a bridge or just a small part, you don't want to just totally make it your own. You want to add to what's already been built, but it, th but that ended up working out too. I, I think overall, n none of that stuff really ever affected us. I'm trying to even think, I don't really think there was ever a time, the hardest part was um, for us was the actual live shows because then we had to figure out, okay, when Devin's singing lead, what am I doing? What is Devin doing? Especially when we had, uh, when Joel, our bass player. So we were like, well, let's just trade off and one of us will play guitar while the other one sings lead because it feels really yeah. otherwise it was like oh wait if Devin were to play guitar the whole time then when I'm not singing lead I'm just singing harmony on a few parts and I'm just standing there on stage that that was more right. of the tricky part that was kind of uh, we had to figure that out but it, it ended up working out too that's right well that's the thing about you about you and your role in Emory it's I mean you guys have been a band for I don't know what it's been close to 15 years now hasn't it yeah yeah definitely uh, and and you, you know, you've worn a lot of hats, you know, you've been the standalone lead singer. You've, I mean, you've been playing bass now for quite a while in the band, yeah. uh, here and there guitar, uh, you know, so, and then, you know, that's, that must've been hard for you. Was that hard for you to switch and, and be like, Oh, I've played this song a million times. And now all of a sudden I go from, here's what I do in this song, jumping around as a lead singer to, Oh, now I'm also playing bass. Like, was that tricky? Well, we, no, it, it, uh, not for us. I guess the biggest thing was when I first, when, when we first started the band, um, it was, it was really funny is when we first started the band, Devin was our drummer. And so we were like, ah, this just isn't going to work out. Having Devin sing lead songs in the back, it just doesn't feel right. And so our, our, our friend, uh, Seth came out and started playing. And then Devin and I both mm -hmm. were, we tried for a little while. We were going to do the three guitar thing where Matt played guitar, I played guitar and Devin played guitar. And that just still felt a little bit for, for so it works for some bands for us. It was felt a little bit overkill for what we were trying to do. So I just started, I was like, well, what if I just didn't have a guitar? And that was a big change. Yep. That was the biggest change of, Hey, I don't have anything. It's just me in front of everybody. There's no, I know it's maybe most people, maybe other singers know what I'm talking about, but there is a little bit of a safety, like a barrier with the guitar between you and the crowd. But when that isn't there no, then, and you don't have anything to look down at or tune or, you know, play fiddle with, then it's just absolutely. you and the crowd. And that, that did take a little while as a, a front guy to try and figure that out. So that was the biggest change. And then once we got that figured out, Devin was like, well, yeah, I can do this too. And so we both just started, you know, trading off like that way. But yeah, for sure going from no instrument you know from an instrument to no instrument that was probably the biggest change right but i mean what about the wasn't the biggest change when i mean when there was no devon anymore i mean that must have been very hard for you guys to figure out what to do I yeah mean, you've got all these songs that he used to sing and your fans are like used to a certain sound with both you guys singing um i mean that was that must have been pretty tough for you guys 
Yeah, that was the the biggest thing is we're kind of known for our dual vocals and then the trade-off vocals uh, for for our, you know, courses and, and verses and stuff like that. So that was the thing we had to really think through because, well, first of all, um, so we had, you know, we'd had some rotation of members. We had Seth, our drummer, leave, and we got Dave. And then later on, Chopper, our bass player, we parted ways with him. And, I mean, for us, and I, I mean, you get, you know what this is like to lose a member, but for us, we were like, man, it is just so hard. Like, we got really lucky with Dave, our drummer. And we were just like, we just don't want to add no, a great drummer. Yeah, we, we just terrific. did. And a great dude. And I mean, you know, you yeah. know what it's like. I mean, you're on stage. Most of the times you're not on stage more than 45 minutes to an hour. And then the rest of the 23 hours of the day, you're either sleeping <laughs> across from that person or in a van, in a bus, in a hotel, yep. in a green room. And if, and it's just so hard to add a personality to your band, Some, especially because when you work so hard for your band and you've done all this stuff and you created this music and, you know, you were there from the beginning, you know, eating the the cheapest cheeseburger you could at McDonald's and just trying to make it and doing all this stuff. And then somebody just comes in. It, it really has to be a unique personality for that to work. And so we didn't really want to replace more, with more people so we ended up not replacing joel and then Devin and i started just playing bass that's when we went from guitar yep. to bass and then matt uh would, would have a rhythm guitar track that he would pre-record before the tours and then he would play live lead and just have the and so we started doing that and so when Devin left we're like wait a minute we can't just not add another person that that would be bad so we kind of racked our brains and we we went through a bunch of different people and we're trying to figure out who it was who we could get because we needed not only a person that could you know play guitar or bass but also a, a good singer to to like you said to 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 do those trade off vocals for the old songs and new songs and and then just kind of go from there so we ended up finding uh, a guy that we had gone on tour with um he was a we could just kind of tell he was a really good musician and uh mm-hmm. it, he was in a band called Queen's Club that was uh kind of breaking up. I guess they were about the end of their road. Uh, they'd done some tours and were kind of just kind of coming to an end. And so he started, his name's Andy Nichols, and he started coming with us, but he has just an uh, amazing voice. And so he was really able to pull that off. And I, I guess another thing, too, that, that actually helped was he was younger. I mean, when he came into the band, he was, I think he was right. only like 23, 24. And that kind of gave us another spark and just a different personality that was okay. And since we were a little bit older, it was easier. Like he, he wasn't as established and he wasn't trying to prove anything or do anything. He was just like man this is a cool opportunity i'm excited and that kind of made it easy for us so adding him yeah, well, that's almost the same go ahead go ahead yeah yeah. i was just saying adding him really made like the live show okay because first of all we liked him as a dude and that is like the biggest thing for us like personality yeah. hanging out talking but then as a musician he was just um, actually really amazing he's probably the best musician in our band now yeah well that's interesting i mean the other thing about you guys um you know, I remember when we did uh, that tour with you guys, our, our kind of our first headline tour. Uh, I think that was 2004. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I know, I heard a little birdie told me that you're turning 40 this year. I am, March. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, you know, but, but it was interesting when I was doing the math, thinking back, I'm like, well, 2004 was 11 years ago. So I was like, Toby was 29 back yeah. then? Like, yeah. you guys started out as a band touring, you were pretty old, you know? Um, yeah. That, which it, I find, you know, that's, that's not the norm because most bands, you know, it, it kind of happens, you know, you're able to, to tour at that little sweet spot, kind of like when you maybe should be figuring out if you're going to go to school or, you know, but you guys are like in your mid twenties, uh, or you are at least. And now all of a sudden it's like drop everything and we're getting in a van and we're doing this. Like we're, you know, as you say, buying the dollar McDonald's cheeseburgers to, to live off. Yeah, totally. You know? man. Um, so h- how did that happen with you guys deciding, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to move to Seattle and all that, you know, that's well documented. You guys being from South Carolina and then Seattle and all that. But, but what made you decide like, fuck it, let's just go for it. We were just always late bloomers, man. I, I like I didn't even know, and, and this sounds so silly, but I really did not know there was music outside of the radio until college. Like I, I didn't even know it existed. Like you know, when the people were, I would see T-shirts and stuff like Black Flag or or, or whatever it might be. I, I I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Like I just didn't even think about. It. Like the only bands I even knew that I thought were cool were like Foo Fighters or Weezer, Stone Temple Pilots, like I, that. That was when mm-hmm. I, when I started, or like Nirvana was one of the first bands where I was like, "Whoa, hold on, this is 
really different. You can do this, like you can do something that's not hair metal or you can do something that's like maybe even sounds kind of not that great that you know what I mean like like right. I, like yeah. Kurt Cobain's voice I never I was like wait a minute his voice doesn't sound that great and I love it this is this is crazy and so uh we, like I said we were just really late bloomers so we were we all met in college and we just kept we were like in local bands and we were just playing to basically our friends uh I mean just nobody would come nobody understood and so we started listening to more and more music um and our, our original bass player, Joey Svensson, who's actually a part of the Bad Christian Podcast, he was the first person to show me any, any kind of music. The, it's funny, the very first screaming I ever heard in music, as, as far as like just, oh, wait a minute, this is real screaming. It's not like a catchy, screamy part that Dave Grohl just growled <laughs> or something like that, was uh, yep. w- 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 was Pedro the Lion, which is not a screamy band whatsoever. That's but so it's just, weird. Yeah, there's just one song that he had. I'm a that. huge I'm a huge Page of the Lion fan, and I don't even know what song you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's the third song on the whole EP. It's the very first okay. one. If you ever listen to that, it's just it's. it's no, I, I, ha- I have it. Yeah, I think that one I maybe didn't listen to as much as like it's hard to find a friend, and of course, Control. Oh but, yeah, um, that's that is that's crazy. That that's the funniest first screaming band ever i've ever heard yeah i know <laughs> seriously like I, <laughs> that, I mean i just couldn't even and then next for i was me, i was like so thinking you were gonna say refused uh you know like i thought because oh, no. that's the <laughs> that's the like cliche answer you know because re, you know, refused was like this underground cool band but they were on epitaph you know they were right. you know they were still like pushed like people they, like epitaph pushed the shit out of that band so it was oh, like totally you know and for me, I'd say Refused was one of the first hardcore, you know, hardcore bands I ever heard. So, oh yeah, uh, Pit of the Lion. Wow, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, I heard that and I was like, whoa. And then I kind of got into. There was a few other bands. Joey was totally his. He just only listened to like more like the Christian side of like hardcore and stuff like that. So that's the only and and for me, that's the only stuff I even knew existed. Like if I if there were if there'd have been another guy that was showing me other stuff, I would have I would have listened to that too. But I just didn't. So ended up after that going like some some more hardcore stuff like Zayo or Training for Utopia. There was a bunch of different bands, but anyway. So then got it, and then later actually, yeah, Refuse was a huge influence on our band big time because and. Just like that, that whole uh, the 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 new noise and that first video they they showed in America, um, you know, where they're all like wearing those masks and it's just uh, can I scream? I mean, I was like, oh my, yeah. that was yeah. like one of the life changing things where that their that whole that whole scene everything was just amazing. But so we just started listening to music. So at, after we finally got realized there was like indie music, our music kind of changed. But we were really in the scene. Um, in in South Carolina at that time, like so, there was the band Beloved. I don't know if you remember them. They were in the Charlotte scene, and then there was a band called. Hope, I do remember Hope, Beloved. Hope's yeah. Fall. Do you remember Hope's Fall? Of course, I remember. Hope's yeah. Fall, so yeah. I mean, they were just killing it in the Charlotte scene, and we go watch these bands, and we're like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" But we didn't. We we couldn't pull off what they were doing, so we were definitely singing more and doing. Uh, I mean, Beloved did singing as well, but we were we were kind of doing just more singing, a little bit of that that stuff. But at the same time, we're still starting at 23 24 years old and so we knew we we only had about a year left of college and we could graduate or some of us were already done so we're like hey let's just finish college and then let's just take six months and try to do this band we literally said six months right. I, I got my degree in education elementary education and i was like okay i can i can push this off for six months or a year and right. uh, so and- you did find your sweet spot right you know like like for, for most bands it's probably before they go to college uh, and for you guys, it was after college. So that, that does make sense, I guess, that you were able to find kind of a common ground where you're like, all right, like, let's do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, because I was like, well, I don't have to start teaching right now. I, I can easily start teaching one year from now. Why not just be crazy and do this? And we didn't, I didn't, I, I thought we could make it. I really did have that that feeling, but I, I still was like, oh, I don't know. So we, we were in South Carolina, but our girlfriends and our family were here and there really was no scene that much it was it just wasn't happening for what we were trying to do so that's why we decided let's just pick a city and we we listed a bunch of cities and seattle seemed cool because we liked nirvana and pearl jam and you know uh soundgarden and stuff like that so we're like okay let's just go out there and see so we moved out to seattle and then ended up just playing a ton of shows around we met some bands started playing more and more shows and then eventually just got signed and and did that stuff but that's how we that but like i said like you were saying we literally didn't start we didn't move to seattle till we were 25 i mean the yeah. band band wasn't well, even you, started to 25 26 years old yeah i always thought you guys moved to seattle because of tooth and nail i thought that it was like well our labels there and i thought that that was the reason but i guess i was mistaken 
Yeah, no, we, we had always heard bad stories about Tooth & Nail. We thought we would never, ever sign to them. Like, seriously, we'd heard all the MXPX stories and stuff like that, and we were like, ah, that sounds shady, man. We just don't want to do it. And so we ended up yeah. uh, saving up. We, we all lived. We called it like a commune, but we basically all lived together, and we give 75% of our paycheck to a like a recording fund. Once we got out there and we saved up enough money, and then we recorded with Ed Rose and because uh, uh, several bands that we liked from like Deep Elm Records, like – Appleseed cast and, and there was a bunch of other bands too, like uh, the Beautiful Mistake had recorded with Ed Rose. There's a bunch of bands back then, and so we we went out there and recorded and we sent our uh, record around to a bunch of people. And then Tooth and Nail gave us the best offer. And we're like, well, I guess that's what we'll do. So that, that's how we ended up with them. But we we never thought we would yeah. sign with them. But it ended up being they they did offer us the best deal, and we're actually a really good label to us. Yeah, I mean, you guys still work with them. I mean, I know you have your own Bad Christian. Uh, music label uh, that you put out your recent record, which is great. You gave me a copy in Hawaii, uh, and I've been uh, I've been jamming it in my car. Nice. Uh, so great work on that album. And yeah, so you're. It's kind of weird though. You have your own label, but then Tooth and Nails helping you out. So that must be really cool. Yeah. Well, well not really. I, we we don't really work with them at all anymore. We uh we we do. Let's see. We have some bands that we put out stuff that they put out stuff with now. So we have a relationship, but for the most part, we do everything on our own. Um, but we do have a relationship where they will do some. I guess like like we do some stuff like advertising with them. We we we've always had a really good relationship with them. Brandon Abel. Like I, we've never had the bad label story. You know. I know. Every, <laughs> we won't get into bad label stories, but I know people have those. Oh, I got a few. <laughs> I don't want to say too much, yeah, but for sure. I got sure. a few, man. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I, I don't know if you ever heard this or not. It was it was really funny. So we uh, we recorded our album, our first album, The Week's End, on our own, shopped it around. There was a few labels. There was, it was like a little bit of major label interest, not much. And then Tooth and & Nail, and then there was... Uh, Militia Records, and then there was maybe one or two other smaller labels that were like, yeah, this could be, but Tooth & Nail was the best deal. So we said, okay, we're going to sign with Tooth & Nail. So after we did that, it was probably a month or two later, I don't know, I guess we put our phone, we sent out packets with our CD and with all the stuff in it. We get a phone call, and uh, we're just in our, like I said, our commune house or whatever, all standing there, and and the phone rings, and at that time, we all had one cell phone. That was it that we all shared. (laughs) <laughs> and which is hilarious to think about that now. And uh, Devin, it is, but we were our band was exactly the same thing. Yeah, same. I mean, nobody even knows like that. Now. I mean, and that was that was probably the cost monthly was about as much as all of our cell phones now individually. I mean, one <laughs> cell phone back then was like it was like three hundred dollars or something. It was unbelievable. That's right. No months. I mean, I mean, no minutes for the month hardly at all. And it was just it was insane. But anyway, so we're sitting there. The phone rings. We're like, uh, who, uh, I didn't even think anything of it. Devin starts talking. And he goes, oh, hey, uh, really? Oh, uh, yeah. He goes, um, actually, yeah, tooth and nail. Oh, okay, see ya. We're like, what in the heck? Who was that? He goes, that was Tony Victory. <laughs> Tony Victory called <laughs> us. Tony Victory called us and said, hey, man, did you guys sign? Uh, I think it was like the shortest conversation ever. He's like, hey, did you guys sign? Uh, he said, I like your record. Did you guys sign? And we're like, yeah, we did. He's like, oh, okay, cool. See ya. And that was <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, I mean, imagine that call had taken place, you know, three or four months before that. Seriously. You know, like if they'd actually got into the package, who knows, you know, where you'd be. I know, I've I've always thought that. Well, that's, I mean, you guys, you guys are an interesting story. Like, you know, I, I always found Emery, and I know you guys so well as, you know, as friends, and I'm a fan of your band, but, you know, you always, I've always done well, you know, you've always been able to do your own headline tours and you guys had your own bus that you you owned and you know and you guys have always been very um uh creative with how you guys you know sell stuff and make money and all that but you've never really blown up yeah. you know you never really had a song that was huge that like you had like a little glimmer of mainstream success or anything it's always been just very very steady and you have your core fan base um do you have like do when you think back to all these things over your career do you have regrets about the way you think, you know, things could have went or if you had done things differently? Um, I would say as, as I've gotten older, I think those are the things that I thought might've been regrets. 
I don't think so anymore. I would definitely say at the time, the biggest shocker of our career was our third record. Uh, I'm only a man. We thought our first record, like, you know, was the, had the biggest first week ever for tooth and nail history uh, and tooth and nail history. We're like, holy crap, this is amazing. Our next record just blew up. It was like 20 something thousand first week. And, you know, yeah. went on to sell like 200,000 records. And we were like, oh, our third record, that's it. We're going to, this is going to be a huge record and this is going to be awesome. And we made a record that we l- really loved, but everything at that time was kind of, it just, it was like everything was at the wrong time. First of all, we, we I don't think that record has more screaming and than the two previous records, but we were experimenting with less like breakdown stuff and more like screaming melodically over regular guitar parts or even soft, whatever it might be. Um, the record was a little bit more telling a story. And um, so we kind of went that way. And then, so and that was the exact time where it was like right after that time where everybody's like, oh, you can download music illegally. So that that just hit us right there. So, oh, yeah. first of all, a lot of a lot of people were turned off by what it was. And then Tooth and Nail wanted the poppiest song from the record to be released first. And I think a lot of people thought we were selling out, which the, the whole record's nothing like a, a sellout record. It's not even really a catchy radio record. It's just not. But... um. So I think at the time, like we were like, oh man, we're going, we actually held off. We had a offer on the table for hundreds of thousands of dollars and we were like, okay, let's just hold off. When this record comes out, it's going to do really good. And then we will get a better deal and we might not re-sign with Tooth and Nail. We'll get a major label deal or sign a better deal with somebody else or Tooth and Nail will come back with more money. You wait, that'll be better. Everybody told us that. And then the record didn't do as good as we thought. Still did great in comparison to to most records. I mean, we still are probably, it's probably still sold a hundred thousand records or more of that record, but, um, which is, is good good in the whole scheme of things but um so yeah so that those offers dwindled and went away and so at the time I was like oh crap I was thinking oh we're gonna get bigger we're gonna and then it didn't happen so with that being said it it definitely in that moment I was like oh no I told my wife we're gonna get a big deal we had, had plans and all this stuff and then it didn't happen so you're right so then what ended up happening is we never really had that humongous hit or any kind of like radio success or like we didn't have a Hey There Delilah or anything like that. We, <laughs> and it just kept us, I guess when I say I don't, I don't regret it, of course I love the idea of, man, it would have been awesome to have a huge record or a hit song or something like that. But I think we wouldn't be where we're at today I, it, if that would have happened. And, and maybe that's just putting a, you know, a, 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 a happy face on a, on a, situation didn't work out but for us it did it kind of brought me back to life man it brought me back to the real world where I was like oh wait a minute it's not just you do whatever and it just always gets better it was like our first bit of adversity where you're like oh wait a minute what are we doing here it it didn't go great it didn't multiply and get bigger and and all this stuff and so it kind of actually changed us to kind of keep that DIY do it yourself grassroots thing. And and I think people ended yeah. up appreciating that and that's kind of why we're still here when so many bands are gone now we are still here. And, and I, honestly I think that's kind of like you guys too. Like whenever we get to tour with you guys even like in Hawaii it's always the same thing. Like you guys are just real dudes that know what you're doing and care about it and have your hands in a kind of a little bit of everything cuz you just are going to and and I think that's really cool when bands do that. That's why they're still around and still successful. I mean we the reason we are still able to go out on tour because we make money and, and it works. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by the way we're able to do this. And it, I mean, if if I if we wanted to, we could be a full time band for sure. I just we just can't because I don't want to be away from my family and neither does anybody else. But I mean, if we want to, right. we could still be just a full time touring band and and tour as much as we wanted. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. But I think that was the biggest time where I was like, whoa, money on the table, money gone, in the immediate. Even I would say years following, a couple of years after, I was like, "Whoa, what happened? What is this like?" But now, having been removed from that since that was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, yeah. Now I see it a little bit differently. Like I felt like I feel like now I care more about our band and music as opposed to I think I think if we'd have gotten that deal, I think we might have flamed out and we wouldn't have been here right now. I think we'd have been in like a year or yeah. so. We'd have done another record. It wouldn't have probably done as good because we'd have just thought, oh, do whatever. And and now I think we've written a lot of records that are really good, that I really love, and we're better for it. We don't have as much money in our pockets, but 
now now the other thing right. is but but maybe we do because we we're still around i don't know maybe we just got it in smaller increments over all these years but um that was probably the biggest blow to us from that from that standpoint yeah but i mean you kept around you've kept doing things and we're going to talk about your podcast that's been very successful uh in a little bit um you know but you you do you do bring up you know money you know yeah. <laughs> it tends to be something that you keep bringing up um i mean you're 40, you're going to turn 40 this year. You have a family, obviously, to support. Yeah. Um, all that is important. Um, you know, I, I guess you haven't quit music and, and gone back to teaching. Um, maybe that would have been the safe play uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But but I guess I guess my question is, you know, you're, you're going to be 40. Like, do you feel ridiculous up there jumping around, singing about heartbreak from 15 years ago? And how much of that is like, you actually having this passion for performing and how much of it is I have to support my fucking family. I have to, you know, I have this podcast. I have to keep going. Like how, where, where is that percentage between, you know, just your love of music and well, this is my job. Yeah. I would say, uh, my favorite thing about touring is hanging out with the dudes in the band. Like that is why that really, I I love that. Like getting to be on the road, talking hanging out doing all those things and then writing music and creating for sure all those things are great sometimes the shows are tough now i would say on a tour 75 percent 50 to 75 percent just awesome i love it i i use even if i'm tired or something we get up there on stage and once you start going get to that first song you're really enjoying it but beforehand you know like you said i am older sometimes i'm like man i played this song like a thousand something times three thousand four, i don't know how many times i've played the song walls yeah. in my life and i'm like okay i'm gonna play it again i you know i'm never gonna get this out of my head but I, so I think getting older for sure. But then sometimes it's almost like um, a little bit of motivation because I'm like, yeah, I'm almost 40 and I'm still up here jumping around and the opening bands are all like 19 and 21 and I'm here headlining and doing this and people are into the show like that, that the crowd, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. The audience and the crowd is always a motivation for joy, excitement, oh, and just really getting into it. Like if the crowd is even half into it for the most part, it's just it just gives you that that high, that natural high that you just can't get anywhere else. Just getting in front of people with a chance of making a mistake or playing really well, wh- whatever it might be for the night, I think for sure. But, I mean, as you get older and you have that, you know, you get done with the show and then you got a 500-mile drive to get – to Toledo or something like that. You're like, this is, it wouldn't be so bad to be at home with my family being a teacher. But once you get through those things and you just end up having a good time with your friends and in your band, I think that's the other big thing too. If our band wasn't such good friends, I don't think we'd be here. That, that is a huge benefit. Like when I go, like we, we have a, a one-off this weekend, next weekend in Chicago and I'm just excited to see the dudes and the show's going to be fun and it'll be, and Devin's playing with us again and it'll just be just this one show, but I'm just excited about the whole thing and one-offs are fun no matter what because you're only playing one show and you can, you know, blow your voice out and sing as hard as you want or whatever you want to do and just really rock out. that's true. But it's it's kind of that thing with a tour these days, it's more like you got to be aware of your stamina. You got to be aware of how hard are you singing those first two or three nights so you don't blow your voice out. You have to really be aware of are you getting enough sleep? You know, sometimes I feel like I can, my allergies or I can get more sick now. And, and as you know, I mean, being a lead singer, our instrument's the only one that's actually alive. So e- anything can affect yeah. it way more. You know, you, you can't twist a knob and tune it or you can't, you know, <laughs> make it better if it cracks. That's you, right. can't, you can't just that's stick right. some well, glue to it. When you're sick, you know, and you're a drummer, the snare drum still sounds like a snare drum. You know, totally when you're a singer, well, you know, you can't do anything about how your voice sounds. So, um, yeah, that's something interesting. Do do you, um, have you found as you gotten older and I mean, now you guys, you just said you're not a full-time band anymore. Does it get a lot harder for you performing on the road night after night and keeping your voice in shape and stuff? Uh, I think my voice is okay for the most part just because, but but I would preface that with because I am a little bit more aware. Like I kind of have a little bit more of a regimen. Like I'll do hot tea or hot toddies with like some whiskey and, and honey and hot water. Sometimes I even have that on stage with me. Um, and I will... <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but yeah, I'll, I'll just do Extra that. Extra whiskey. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And, and and some of that, I wonder if it's not even just mental. But anyway, I, that's good. And then being really aware, I try to be aware of um, 
going out after shows to a loud bar, that's one of the killers for me. Like if it's super loud somewhere and I'm having to yell to talk yep. after a show, oh, I got nothing the next day, just nothing. And so the, um, I, I try to just be way more aware since I am a little bit older now and I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to totally. It, it, now here's the other thing. This is hilarious. On this last tour, I, I was trying to show out and I, everybody, our two buses are parked. We were on, uh, with, uh, as cities burn reunion, reunion tour. So our bus was parked. Yep. And, and theirs is on the other side. And so in between, everybody on the whole tour is just hanging out. You know, it's like 20-something dudes just hanging out. Everybody's having fun. And I was like, I'm going to show out. So I put on my Atlanta Braves catcher mask baseball helmet. <laughs> I put on my L.A. gear lights that light up and my shorts and my Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. And I know it was an off day. And I was like, man, here we go. And I had a short uh, skateboard. Uh, not my longboard. I normally only ride a longboard now and cruise, but I got out the short skateboard and I came out, hopped on it and just started cruising. And I was looking at everybody. I was acting really crazy. I didn't see a roll of duct tape in front of me. It stops me, knocks me off. And I like cracked my ribs and I was like, Oh, oh no. no. 40-year-old man down, 40-year-old man down. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't breathe. I, I popped up like a football player. It just got hit, and he's trying to walk it off like it's not that big of a deal. But I was seriously injured. So seriously, the rest of the tour, I couldn't hardly do anything because my ribs are like cracked and bruised. I didn't even go to the doctor because everybody was like, there's nothing they're going to do. You can't really do anything with cracked ribs. And I was like, oh, gosh. So that whole tour, I, was, I mean, it was like even hard breathing. Like my lungs would hurt when oh, I'd take deep yeah. breaths and I had to just kind of stand. I felt like I looked like Ozzy Osbourne on stage or something, just kind of all hunched over and old. And I was like, if I didn't look old already, I definitely do now. But I have to be aware. Like I, I have to actually be aware. Wait a minute. I'm go- I, I can get injured and it's not the same. It, you know, when you're 20 something years old, you can heal a lot faster than when you're late 30s or, or, or almost 40. So I have to be more aware. So that's why I'm kind of preemptive in everything. Like I really do try to warm up my voice a little bit more now. And I try to be aware of what's going on and, and just try to be a little bit more healthier uh, food wise and everything. Just to, just so I can stay healthy on the road and keep that keep my voice as good as I can get it. Well, Devin, Devin wasn't out on the tour with you guys on this one, right? No, no, he wasn't. Because it's, it's funny, you know, I, I, like I said, you gave me your CD when we played together in Hawaii, and I think in the liner notes I read something like, you know, the band is, you know, Toby, Matt, Josh, uh, et cetera, and sometimes Devin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, first of all, I love that. Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I know your fans are, are very involved with everything you guys are, are doing and stuff, but I, I mean, there's a lot of and ambiguousness whatever that word is um (laughs) with is Devin in the band is he not in the band what's the future going to be with him and that must factor into you as a singer and 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 everything too like is that something that you think about worry about like moving forward like as far as Devin like potentially coming back or not coming back you mean well yeah well I mean he worked on their last record with you guys right right yeah he did so and he sang on it uh I thought I heard his voice in there so, you know, you guys are performing these new songs and he's not there. So you're, you know what I mean? Like, is it ever going to be, I don't know. Are you ever worried? Oh, well, he's just not going to be into it when we do the next record. Or is he kind of like a permanent member of the band? Just, you know, more on the studio side of things. You know, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious about that and how that affects you. Yeah. I, I think even with him, he, he loves being at home with his family and that's why he left the band. He just, his wife and him, and him were having their first child or try, we're going to try to have their first child. And, uh, so he just wanted to be at home. I think, um, if it wasn't for that, he would still be in the band. I think he, I mean, he just loves his family, which we all totally understood. And so I would say there's definitely pretty much Devin should be on every album here on out studio wise. And then, uh, but I don't know, he'll, he will be sporadic on live shows. Like, like I said, this one off we have in Chicago, Devin's going to be there and that works out for him. Oh yeah. Uh, he's a worship leader at a church, so he, he doesn't get that much time off either. So that's the other thing. But, um, you know, if anything ever changed and he's like, Hey, I just want to come back out. And we, uh, of course we would want him to. And, and we did the weeks in tour with him and it was just, I, I actually thought, what would that be like? Because Devin's been out of the band for several years, and what will it be like to bring him back? And what will he think about hopping around on stage again and singing these songs after not having done this? And it, and honestly, it was just right back to normal. It, it was crazy. It was almost surreal. 
it felt so weird some nights like we'd be playing the weeks in because we played it from front to back and then Devin yep. was there and I was like what year is it is this like 2005 I mean I was like what in the world is happening these you know like Devin's here and it, it was really fun and so I think for us we would love it if he could play more live shows and maybe and maybe at some point he will but we're satisfied right now with just kind of where we're at with having him on the records and getting him to play whenever he can so uh, that that's yeah, kind of a good, you guys, a good thing for us but you guys live in different places and stuff too all over the country and it must be hard for you guys to write get together and write and do a record and does he write songs on his own does he still contribute in that way well on this record matt and i wrote all the songs and then devin sang on some of them and so um on on you were never alone and so but that was also because we were trying to figure out it, we, Devin came late into the process. We didn't know if he would want to be on the record. And we just didn't think about it because we had done uh, um, We Do What We Want, our, the record before this last one. Um, just me and Matt had written all the songs and done everything. And so we were like, huh, wonder if... And so we'd already written a lot of the record. And we're like, I wonder if Devin would even want to contribute on this. And we asked him. He's like, yeah, sure, definitely. And I was like, oh, wow. So on this one, we wrote all the songs. I think the next one, Devin will probably have some songs that he would want to write. And he's working on his own solo record, too. So he, he's still doing oh, yeah. a lot of writing and yeah, stuff I think like I heard, that. I think I heard about that in my research. I think I might have stumbled upon that. And I was going to ask you. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, he's Devin's a great singer. I mean, I mean, uh, do you ever feel weird about singing his parts? Do you think, like, do you think he's a better singer than you are? In some ways, yes, for sure. <laughs> I won't tell him that to his face, but I'll tell you, Shane. But uh, he, he's, he is a great singer. Well, make sure he doesn't listen to this. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm telling him, do not listen to this podcast. But uh, I, in some ways, he is way better than me. He, he has a just a, a more pure tone. Um, he doesn't really have any gravel. He just has a really pure, uh, really nice tenor uh, tone to his voice and uh, the, the timber and just everything to his voice just sounds so great. And then I'm I'm on the other side of that with a little bit more growl, a little more raspy, yep. um, a little lower, um, a little louder. And so um, I think we complement each other really well. So there's definitely sometimes where there's things that he sang that I'll just never capture the way he does. I, I just won't. Right. I mean, there's tons of songs where I, I, I wish I could. Now, I, I'm still fine, and I, I feel confident singing the songs, but I am I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm making it more my own than trying to copy Devin, I guess I would say. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. <laughs> uh, okay, well, switching gears a little bit, um, I want to talk about the Bad Christian Podcast, yeah. which... Uh, I guess has been a huge success. Um, you know, it's, I don't know how many, you know, I don't know all the statistics and all the plays you guys are getting, but it's really made a huge impact. Um, how long have you guys been doing that now? Well, we'll see. We have a hundred and something episodes. So I, I believe we've been honestly doing it for close to two years. Um, so it, it, the, the, doing well we have always had like a somewhat of a little bit of a following but i would say within the last year it's grown kind of exponentially for sure Uh, i think and and that's also i think with just podcasting in general people are starting to become more aware of it as an option and the way you can listen to it and it's kind of like on demand talk radio which is which is huge absolutely it's and it's awesome so i think so much more people are realizing oh this is really great entertainment i can listen to this on my drive my commute to work or on a jog or exercising or whatever it might be so i think that has helped a ton and then also i just think our our niche market of kind of like that all alternative we're christians and that kind of alternative christianity where um we can be pretty crazy and vulgar but at the same time be open and honest about what we believe and stuff like that kind of is a good niche kind of the same way i almost compare it to like emory i feel like i I really do believe emory is a great band i I wouldn't be in it if i if i didn't think that so that's not just my ego I, i just wouldn't be in a band that i didn't think was good and i really like our songs i think we've created some great songs but i have to admit that we hit at the exact right time when like screaming and singing or screamo or hardcore or post-hardcore or whatever you want to call it was just it, it was just the right time like we really hit it in was that, exploding yeah yeah exactly and so i almost feel the same way um as much as that helped our band i kind of feel the same way as like with podcasting we just said hey why don't we just start doing this this will be another avenue for us we didn't necessarily we actually didn't think 
uh, it could get that big or it could even be financially viable or anything like that. Um, and because it's really hard, that, that that's just hard. And, and it's still not like we're making a living at all doing it. But at, regardless of that, it it felt like we were still hitting at the right time. Like we were just right ahead of, oh, podcasting is getting really big. And we were just right on the cusp of that and kind of in that niche. And I think that's kind of what's been helping us a ton for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, you know, obviously you guys, you started the podcast and, you know, I'm sure the first listeners of it were mostly Emory fans, right? That yeah. were kind of finding out about it through you guys. Yeah, and totally. Now, you know, they've told their friends who've told their friends. And now you're, you're, you know, there's outsiders that people that probably don't know, they might not even know the song Walls. You know, they might have no idea about what Emery does. Yeah. Um, but you guys are still on there. You guys are still talking about your band. You're talking about it. How much do you think this podcast is actually helping your career and kind of like, you know, your resurgence now with, uh, with the new record uh, and everything? Do you think that that's, that that's a, a, real, a real factor? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that, but for sure there are tons of people that were like, I've never heard of Emory before the your podcast for the Bad Christian. I was like, oh, really? Cool. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> we're actually gaining listeners to our band, and it, it definitely worked the other way. And now I see it working kind of more than the band. I mean, we, we're still able to use like our band social media and stuff like that, but um, for sure people now, because like, like I said, podcasting is blowing up and people are listening to it for podcast sake, like the, the entertainment value in and of itself. So I think now with that being said, there are a lot of people like, oh, they're in a band, I'll, I'll check it out. And we've actually, for sure, there's been maybe even most nights on tour, there'll be somebody that comes up and goes, man, I never heard of your band until now. I'm so glad I get to see you. I, di- I didn't even know you've been a band for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is shocking. Well, it's almost, in, in a way, it's all, like I, I've, I've listened to your podcast for a while a while now and I, I really enjoy it. But it's part of it to me is interesting because like now, the way you guys talk about your band and no offense, it, it almost feels like Emery are some kind of like legendary band. <laughs> like you guys like you guys all of a sudden you know and i know you guys so well so for me it's kind of like i i i don't know i i don't know i love you guys I always always knew knew what you guys are doing and i know what you're up to and stuff but now when i hear it and i hear it talking i'm like man these guys are cool i want to hang out with these guys you know <laughs> and, and and i really wonder how much this podcast is like holy shit now like what are the, what are the most like famous you know christian hardcore bands of all time like who are the legends like under oath you know uh uh, and you know you guys are like putting yourself in the conversation almost by like sort of rewriting history in a way do you know what i mean yeah that's kind of an interesting take i didn't think about that that so so you mean like because of our podcast and people are getting to know us now they're like oh wow that that's a cool band like that's that's an interesting take i didn't think about that that way but that's that's pretty yeah it's it's almost like your historical significance is is more important because of your what what you're doing currently, you know. And it's yeah. not mu- it's not your music. Well, it is your music too because you're still making relevant music, and your new record was really well received. But it's because you know you're doing something outside the box. Now you're appealing to you know all the bad Christians out there, and they're like, oh, Emery. And now it's like, holy shit, yeah, this band is like important. This band is special. Uh, and I don't know. I just I just think that's really. A very unique circumstance. Yeah, that's that is that is really cool. I have not thought about it that way, but that is a really interesting way to look at it. Because so so like new listeners or even people that might have oh yeah I listened to Walls or I heard that first record, but I I didn't know you were had put out five other records or whatever. They're like oh wait this this music was influential enough to where now they have a podcast that's doing well. And you're right, a lot of people would think oh it's doing well only because of the band. So that that means something there too. Like that that's a really interesting take. Like our band is more has more significance now after our podcast that's pretty cool yeah it, it, it but i think there's some truth to it i really you know i think it's it's a i think there's some truth to it yeah i could see that for so. sure like i mean that that's an interesting take i wouldn't have thought of that if you didn't say that but that's really that's a really cool way of thinking about that or, or just a neat idea that our is almost rewriting like hey man this was more this this meant more than that anybody would have normally have thought it did so that's kind of cool yeah, the band pro- the the band promotes the podcast, and the podcast promotes the band. It's this yeah. awesome little cycle. Well, one thing that around. I think is really cool too, though, is I love that people. Um, 
even like a lot of people don't know like even that, that you and us are friends or you, you know Silverstein you know what I mean like oh yeah maybe they toured together or not or like they were friends with the dudes from Under Oath or whatever or my career from MXPS or whatever like people they don't necessarily know that you know all these people that you know a lot of times they think bands stand alone or it's just you know oh maybe they toured with them but like that has been really cool is the connections people get to see now and the friendships that we have too that we were around all these things you know that, that that we were around all these other bands that we weren't just uh uh playing a headlining show only or something like that with some smaller bands like we've yeah. been around for a long time but and know a ton a ton of bands that's right well i mean you guys have been going strong now for 100 was 120 episodes almost yeah yeah, that's crazy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you guys are slowing down anytime soon. So that's that's absolutely awesome. Uh, okay, well, you're turning forty. Uh, so what are you going to quit? Quit the band? Stay at home? Become a teacher again? You're going to keep this all going? I, I told the guys that uh, I said, okay, I said there's at least a ten to twenty percent chance that we're going to do my final tour, and it'll be called Lordy Lordy Toby's Forty Tour. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, the, the truth is, man, it's just, it's so fun. And the way we're able to tour now, we literally usually only go out like, you know, two weeks at a time. Even if we do a tour, we do, you know, two or three weeks on the West Coast, two or three weeks on the East Coast a few months later. And the way we are able to do it now is very sustainable. And and that's why, I mean, with the, you know, where we're at now with, with podcasting and with the, the internet and with everybody, you know, being able to put out music on our own, we can kind of dictate whatever we want to do. So it, we're able to do it. Like if, if, if it was still a touring schedule of, oh man, you got to hit, you know, 200 to 250 days a year, well, no way we wouldn't be a band. But since we're able to dictate so much about our touring schedule and what we can do and hey this you know dave our drummers uh having a baby we're not going on tour this time or, or we will and it works out this way we we have so much say in what we do now and ownership yeah. of this thing called emory and, and bad christian that we get to kind of make the, the our own rules so as long as that keeps happening i, I mean who knows man I, I, it'll be hilarious if i'm 50 years old and jumping around and screaming walls but who knows maybe maybe one day <laughs> I hope to see it, man. I hope to see it. You know, I think we've done, you know, we've done the two Hawaii shows now. I think we got to make this a, a thing like every, every, uh, every few years we just go to Hawaii and we just, we just go nuts. Oh, totally. I would love that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, th- Hey, thank you very much for, uh, for talking with me. Uh, you know, sharing all your, your lead singer, uh, syndrome, uh, stories with, uh, with the audience and, uh, everybody listening. So, um, anything else to add? What do you guys, uh, got coming up with, uh, with, uh, Bad Christian and with, uh, with the band? Yeah, we, uh, we are going to be doing more and more Bad Christian living room shows, um, like the podcast live. So we'll be doing those in living rooms and, and eventually maybe even some bars. But um, And then Emory's going out in November. I think it's like November 2nd or 3rd through like the 20th um, East Coast tour um, of The Question, The Question Tour. And so, um, yeah, nice. that's, that's what's going on now. So, yeah, come out and see us. Absolutely. Well, there's the man. Toby from Emory, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man, and uh, thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Good to talk to you, dude. He's such a nice fellow, isn't he? I love Toby. It was so great to have him on the show. Um, Make sure you check out the Bad Christian Podcast if you haven't already. Uh, It's like, I don't even know what it is. It's like 50-50, like, comedy, music. Uh, They they talk about Christianity, but not really all the time, so uh, you certainly don't have to be a Christian to, uh, to enjoy it. Uh, next week, we got an all-new show. Uh, check it out. Also, I guess I'll be talking a whole lot about my new solo project. I'll be uh, uh, talking about how that all came about and uh, really giving you some more info. Um, so please, on Friday, keep your ear to the ground with the social media, and uh, you'll hear all about it. So I'll leave you with the song. This is the classic first track on the first Emory record. This is Walls on Lead Singer Syndrome. Hey
decides one thing and one more says good night. You've got the mind. Come get to me. These knuckles break before they Announcements, it leaves me breathless. I won't forget this, I won't forget. 